Good morning, everyone. want to once again extend a warm welcome to all the saints, as well as to all of our guests and family. As Juan said earlier, we are the Bronx region of the New York City Church of Christ. We are one of ten regions that are meeting throughout the New York metropolitan area on Sunday uh, to worship God. A couple of times a year we get to come together, uh, which is a delightful time uh, as, as a fellowship, but most often uh, we, we, we meet in smaller groups like we have today. Uh, we're going to be looking at part two of the, the message I started a couple of weeks ago on overcoming sin. On overcoming sin, since uh, all of you love that topic so much, I wanted to go ahead and, and finish it up. You know, this time of year, uh, even though we may be planning uh, vacation and, and taking some time off, the devil never takes time off. So I want us to, to be aware of his schemes and be prepared in our hearts and minds to, to fight the good fight. Uh, started the message a couple of weeks ago and wanted to go ahead and finish it up today. And prayerfully, you'll be encouraged. Let's pray together as we get started. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you for forgiving us of all of our sins. Thank you that if we're in Christ God, the blood of Jesus continues to wash away all of our sins each and every day. And we praise you, God, that you have presented us perfect in Christ. And we pray that because of your grace and mercy, we would be motivated to walk in the light, to turn away from darkness, and to always walk toward you and to make every effort to help others to come to you as well. Bless our time together today. God, help us to, to really live lives worthy of Jesus, to say no to the sinful nature, and to walk by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago we started off with uh, some points on how to overcome sin. And we started off with, number one, come clean. And, and just the need to be honest about where we are and not to fall into deceit. Uh, to not sweep it under the rug. To not think that in any way we can mock or fool God. And that we need to do that to, for our own conscious sake and, and to be righteous before God. Uh, number two, take responsibility. Uh, don't blame shift. Blame shift. Uh, don't um, make excuses. But to, to realize that if I, if, I, if I don't take personal responsibility, then it's going to be very difficult for me to overcome uh, the sin and failures in my life. Uh, number three, uh, Ask for and accept God's grace and forgiveness. And we, we serve a gracious God, but we need to always go to him to not only ask for uh, him to take away all of our transgressions, but to accept the fact that he continues to, to forgive us and for us to understand that uh, no matter how we feel, uh, emotionally we've got to look at the facts that if God has forgiven us, we're, we're forgiven. And that we've got to move on and, and not allow our feelings and our emotions to, to keep us in the dumps. But at some point, we have to bounce back and uh, get back out there living for God again. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, number four, pray for limited fallout. And you'll understand what that means more in just a minute. Uh, number, number two, use past failures as motivation. 
And number three, believe in God's power. So let's start off with uh, pray for limited fallout. Sin has consequences. And when we trip and fall, we need to ask God to make the damage as minimal as possible. Because our sin not only affects us, but it affects others. And one of the fallacies of of people sometimes when they fall into sin, they just say, well, it's just me. And I'm not hurting anybody else if I do this. Well, that's not true. Uh, Especially in the church. When you sin, it not only hurts you, but it hurts the body of Christ. And and it hurts our family. If we're married, it hurts our marriage. Uh, You know, if, if we have roommates, it affects them. It affects everybody around us. No one lives to himself alone. No one dies to himself alone. We are connected and we're connected with other people. And that should be a motivation for us to say no to sin, because I know that if I fall, it's going to hurt others, especially when a leader falls. Uh, it can have a domino effect, and, and many other people lose faith or begin to, to doubt or struggle with sin as well. Uh, you look in the scriptures and you see the consequences of sin, starting with Adam and Eve. There were consequences. Uh, when, when she fell, he fell. And even today, we suffer the consequences of their sin by having to face physical death. And, and we can, pra- praise God, uh, we can still go to heaven, and, and they don't, their sin doesn't have, uh, in, in that way, eternal consequences upon us. But because they fell short, uh, God shortened their lives. And now... Uh, I, I think God had a plan from the very beginning, but if you read in Romans and you read the scriptures, you see that they opened the door for sin, and, and unfortunately, we all go through that same door. Uh, Lot and his family. You think about Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah. Uh, you know, Lot's living in a place that he shouldn't have been in, and his, his wife uh, turned back when God said, you know, don't look back. And, and, and her life was snuffed out. She turned into a pillar of salt. And then his daughters also fell into sin, uh, it, w- with him. And, and, and of course they, they created, uh, two races that were always, uh, 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 enemies to the Israelites and created all kinds of turmoil. But the consequences of their sin reached on to other generations. Uh, Korah and his family, they opposed Moses. And you can read that sometimes. And because of Korah's rebellion, 250 people died. And a plague came upon Israel that God didn't stop the plague until another 17,000 plus people had died. Because of one man's arrogance and pride. And then an example that I think we can look at for a few minutes is Achan and his family. And our good brother uh, did such a good job. Maurice did such a good job last week uh, talking to us about Rachel. Uh, I know I was very inspired. And, and as the Israelites had uh, the victory there over Jericho, but after they had the victory of Jericho, God sent them to go ahead and fight Ai and to bring about his judgment upon them. 
uh, they became a little arrogant after that victory. And one of the things God told them in Joshua 6, verses 15 through 19, he basically said, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. God gave him specific instructions. Don't take any of the plunder. And the gold and the silver you put into my treasury. Well, Achan did not listen. And he took some articles and he put them in his tent. Then Joshua sends the soldiers in to bat in the battle against Ai. Thirty-five men are killed. They're dismayed. They're terrified. They don't understand why they've been having victory after victory. And all of a sudden, they're facing defeat. And then God tells them why. Uh, God basically says to them, you have acted unfaithfully in, in Joshua 6, 27 through 7 and 1. He says, the Israelites have acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. They've acted unfaithfully. He didn't say just one person had acted unfaithfully. He grouped them all together. Because of one man's unfaithfulness, God says, look, you're all accountable. Because he did not listen. In Joshua 7, verses 19 through 26, Achan faces his punishment, his judgment. And it goes like this. It says in, in Joshua 7, verse 7, Joshua chapter 7, verse 19, says, And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you've done. Do not hide it from me. That goes back to our very first point. Joshua is telling Achan, you need to come clean. You need to come clean. Now, coming clean doesn't always take away the consequences. But it can save you eternally. In verse 20 it says, Achan replied, it is true I have sinned. Against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them, which is the very thing God told him not to do. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua, he goes, he sends messengers. They, they bring back uh, the silver and, and the articles that he's taken. And in verse 24... The Bible says, Then Joshua together, while all Israel took Achan's son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. One man's sin. Now, sometimes we think in the church, 
My sin doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't hurt the church. I mean, what, what does, how can, can my sin have an impact on the body? Well, you're wrong. It does have an impact. It affects all of us. And Achan's deceit and rebellion and greed not only cost him, but it cost his family. It cost the Israelite a community. And we, we've got to understand, I've got to understand that I need to say no to sin because God wants his church to be holy. God wants his church to be, to be purified. And no matter what ministry you're in, you're in the singles ministry, or the campus ministry, or the married adult ministry, you need to be righteous because you can bring down the whole ministry because of, of secret sin going on in your life. And God is watching. Not that all of us or any of us are perfect. But God is looking for that humble, repentant heart that turns away from sin. And so, if you, you know, we're connected, people. We're a family. And, and, and your presence makes a difference. It's supposed to make a difference. And so we need everybody. We need every disciple. But we need to be striving to be the best we can be for Christ and not get the impression, well, you know, it's just my sin that I'm in and, and it doesn't hurt or have an impact. That is wrong. That is not true. Just in the same way as you're doing well spiritually encourages the body. When we indulge in secret, deceitful acts, God can bring this church to a halt. And we may be wondering, what's the problem? I mean, why, why aren't we moving forward? Why aren't things happening? Well, maybe it's because God is saying you need to deal with the unrighteousness. And I think as we go into 2017, as I mentioned last week, don't go into it with this year's baggage. Get it right. You know, turn it around. Get right with God. Get right with your brothers and sisters. I would encourage you, even as you do that, to hold on to Psalm 103. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks. What a great scripture. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. So we need to pray, God, please. I know I've sinned, but let the fallout be as minimal as possible. Don't, don't treat me as our sins deserve. Some of us, praise God, we are here because when we were younger, before we became Christians, God did not treat us as our sins deserved. He did not. Some of the things we did and, and, and we saw other people do, they suffered more than we suffered. And it wasn't because we were more righteous. It's because God, by His mercy and grace, just decided, you know what? I'm going to give you a pass this time. Where other people sin one time and are facing lifetime consequences. And some of us did things time and time again, whether it was drugs or sexual immorality, and God just showed us grace. He just showed us grace. Because so much else could have happened in our lives. And God blocked it. And he says, you know what? 
I'm going to show you mercy and grace because hopefully one day you'll turn around and come to me and realize how good I've been to you. How merciful I've been to you. It's a miracle that some of us are even here this morning when you think about how God just held back the consequences. Not that we didn't face any. But we didn't face as much as we could have. Some of us should have gone to jail for some of the stuff we did. And God just just let us slide. And you look back on your life. And you just start thinking about what you and some of your friends did back in the day. And some of them, it didn't turn out too well. Why you? Why'd you get a pass? And it wasn't because you were smarter. It's the mercy of God. And God wants you to use that to motivate you to, to, to live for Him. So, just pray for minimal. You know, when, when you sit, it's like, God, please, don't let this hurt my children. Don't let this hurt my marriage. Don't let this hurt the church. God, I repent. Please, you know, David, when he sinned, he prayed for minimal fallout, but God said, no. I'm, I'm going to take the child away from you. He, he faced the consequences. And it went on and had an impact on all of his family. That can happen. But we just need to ask God, please have mercy on me, God, because you know me. You know what's going on in my life right now. And I want to turn this around and I just pray that I don't hurt others because of the foolishness that's been in my life. Pray for minimal fallout. Secondly, use past failures as motivation. How many of us sin? All of us. I got more hands than Antoine asked for when when I asked that question. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. But how you deal with your shortcomings, can decide the path of your Christian life. How you deal with your sin when you fall can determine what kind of Christian you become, what kind of life you live. And if you use your past failures as motivation, not just to have a pity party, or not to allow it to to send you uh, spiraling backwards and downward where you never bounce back but, but to understand look yes I did mess up I did stumble and fall but you know what that's it I'm leaving that behind and I gotta move forward your failures can cripple you or they can motivate you because you're gonna have just let me tell you you're gonna have some there's no way around it it's just gonna happen we all stumble and fall. But what do you do when it happens? You know, some marriages get tripped up because people go in naively thinking, there's no way. I mean, we, we're two spiritual people. We won't fight. We won't have arguments. And then you get in there and you find out, oh my word. This man's a sinner. Oh my Lord, she pushes every button in me. You know, I'm, I'm having second 
I'm having second thoughts about this. Well, it's too late now. You're already in there. There's, there's, there's no way out. Yeah. But is it going to make you a better husband? Or is it going to make you a bitter husband? Is it going to make you a better wife? Or is it going to make you bitter? And let me tell you, when, and I've said it before, when you get two sinners, even baptized sinners, in a confined space, Things happen. We hurt each other. We say things we shouldn't say. But then what do you do? What do you do when you mess up? How are you going to respond? Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. The Apostle Paul. Paul was a, a very religious man. He was a Pharisee. He said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew the law. But he, he, he was wrong. And he persecuted the church. He stood over giving approval to Stephen, a great spiritual man. He, he gave approval to his death. And I can imagine that haunted him the rest of his life. Because Stephen was an awesome disciple of Jesus. As well as other Christians that Paul nodded. You know what? Yeah, take him out. And I don't know if he, if he threw the stones or not, but he sure enough, he sure enough confirmed that it was okay. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul knew, look, I, I messed up. I was wrong, but you know what? I'm, I'm inspired that Jesus gave me a second chance. And I'm going to work harder than anybody else to show the Lord how grateful I am that he gave me a second chance. Because he understood I didn't deserve that. Jesus met him on Damascus Road and turned his life around. And he came up out of that waters of baptism on fire for Jesus. Just like a lot of us did. Because we understood. I'm a new creation. Praise God. You know, we sing this song. And it needs to be on our hearts when we become Christians. I won't go back. Can't go back. What does it say, church? To the way it used to be before your presence came and did what? Change me. Well, don't go back. Because when you look back and you see, you know, Jesus rescued me, that should motivate us. Some of us, we become Christians and then we settle. And, and we, we get stuck as if we deserve to be saved. And you got to look back and say, what? Jesus redeemed me. That should inspire you to share. Nobody should be hovering over you to share the good news of what Jesus has done in your life. No one should be having to get on your case to get in your Bible and pray or call on the God who redeemed you from hell. That should be in your heart. Because you understand, man, I, I messed up. But I'm going to use that to motivate me. Now think about Peter. 
Luke 22. Peter denied Jesus not once, but three times. And right, you remember, right when Peter denied Jesus that third time, the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 60, when, when someone asked Peter, don't you know him? You know what Peter says? Man, I don't know what you're talking about. The Bible says just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed as Jesus had predicted. The Lord, then it says the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Imagine that. I don't know him. And you, the Lord's looking straight at you. You think Jesus is smiling while he's looking at Peter? You think he's winking? No, I mean, Jesus is being abused and ridiculed. And I'm sure he looks at Peter and it's a look of disappointment. Just as he looks at us when we fall. What are you going to do with that? And the Bible says, Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you would disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. That's godly sorrow, folks. That's not letting your heart get hard. Why do you think God chose Peter to open the door to the keys? Give him the keys to the the kingdom. Why was Peter chosen? Because of that heart? Because of that tender, pliable heart. A grown man weeping over his sin. And it took him a little while to get past it. But once he did, he became a new creation. And he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached a bold sermon and opened the doors to the kingdom, and the, and the church has never been the same since. It motivated him. See, a lot of us, we get to the point where we're hurt, and maybe we cry. But what do we do after that? you got to get back up. And use that failure as a motivation. You know, Peter would go on and do great things for God, you know, write a couple books of the Bible, become a pillar of the church, and he still made other mistakes. And we're all going to make them. But don't sit there having a pity party. Get back up! Get back up! Say, well, Sam, I got knocked down again. Get back up! You can't fight on your back. Get up! Say, we had another argument. Okay, apologize. Get back up! I fell into this sin. Now what you want me to do? Repent. Get back up. Keep getting back up. If you got to get back up a hundred times, you keep getting back up. And you stay motivated. Jesus saved me. He redeemed me. I'm not going to let the devil keep me down. I'm going to get back up. Say, well, bro, you sure are pretty weak. No, I'm still here. I'm still coming. I'm still fighting. And you keep fighting until you have a breakthrough. Some things in your life, they're not going to get fixed in a week. They're not going to get fixed in a month. They might not get fixed in years. But if you give up, they'll never get fixed. You keep fighting through. Look at Peter. How do you get past something like that? 
get past that. You got to keep fighting. And finally, King David. You know, David was known as a man after God's own heart. And he had a bad day. And he fell into sin with Bathsheba. His life was never the same. He still had to deal with the consequences. But you know, he wrote Psalm 51. And I just want us to read some of it because I think it'll help us. And you got to understand, he's blown it. He's blown it so bad that not only did he fall into adultery, but he murdered the man of, 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 of the woman that he fell in, in, into adultery with, who was one of his mighty men. And he covered it up and lied and, and was deceitful for months until the Lord had to send Nathan to him to say, look, wake up, fool. You, you think I don't see this? Sometimes we think God is like napping or something. Like God, he didn't see that. He sees everything. And, and, and sometimes, you know, he sends someone to us and, and, and it's a sign. It's time. It's time to say, somebody, why are you asking me about my marriage? Why are you asking me about my personal purity? Why are you asking me? Because the Lord put it on their heart to ask you. And the question is, are you going to be humble and open or not and change? Are you going to keep on living that hard-hearted, stupid life that you're living? Because none of us are going to get away with anything. God sees it all. So this is what David said in Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know... My transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you approve right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy. And gladness, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will turn back to you. David is saying, Lord, cleanse me, purify me, give me a new start. I've lost my joy, I'm depressed, I'm overwhelmed. Can you restore the joy of my salvation? Because when you do, then I will teach transgressors your ways. And bring back sinners to you. See, his motivation to bring sinners back to God was understanding the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. That's our motivation. Not quotas. Not guilt. Not personal praise. But because he's forgiven me, I want to go out and tell somebody else the good news of Jesus. 
then I will teach transgressors your ways. You know, you're not sharing your faith. Maybe it's because you don't appreciate the faith you've been given. We all have our ups and downs. We're all on sometimes, off sometimes. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, do you understand what you have? And when the opportunity presents itself, you try to give it away. See, David has said, restore me. And it's not just so that I can feel better, which I do need to feel better, Lord. But then I'm going to teach transgressors your ways. I'm going to show people the way to you. Because there's nothing better than being right with God. Nothing better than that. Those who understand that they have been forgiven are more zealous than those who don't understand it. When you've been forgiven much, you love much. When you understand that you've been forgiven much, you want to share much about what God's done for you. So we got to get back up. And finally, I'll just leave you with this. Believe in God's power. Believe in God's power. Do you realize that through the power of God you can overcome sin in your life? You can overcome. Now, I'm not saying that, that God's going to take away all the consequences of your sin. And you need to pray like we said. May the fallout be as, 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 as little as possible, God. You know, I don't want a nuclear fallout like Chernobyl. I just, just, just a little fallout here. But God, through his power, through his spirit, can help us overcome sin. And that's good news because when we're baptized into Christ, we're buried, we're raised, we're raised in new life. And remember what Peter said, that, you know, that we need to come, your sins will be forgiven, and what's the next promise? And you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look, the Holy Spirit is not going to keep you from sinning. But as you make the effort, it will give you the power to overcome sin. It does. Now, Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. He said, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God gives us power to escape the corruption of the world. To participate in his divine nature. To become more and more and more like Jesus. But we got to tap into that power. See, the spirit can't work when you're walking in darkness. But when you're walking in the light, the spirit can help you, teach you, train you to overcome sin. Paul told Timothy when he was dealing with his struggles and his timidity. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love. And what was the third thing? Self-discipline. How are we doing in that department? Do we need that? A spirit of self See, God gives you a spirit that teaches you to say no. You can say no to sin. Not the fallen. You can say no. God help me right now to say no. Just turn the computer off and just walk away. Just walk away from that person on the job who's flirting with you. Just, just listen. Sometimes the spirit is prompting us. Move. Move, fool, move. 
need, you need to get out of here. Stop flirting. Don't say another word. Just go about your business. Are you listening? God is trying to help us. The scripture that was read earlier, Ephesians 3. Somebody read Ephesians 3. Who read that? James read it. Yeah, James. that was James. That seems like a long time ago. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to what? His power that is at work within us. Do you realize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? Don't tell me you can't say no to sin. Don't tell me that God can't bring you through it. Don't tell me that the temptation is too much and too hard or that your past life has overcome you. Don't tell me that because God is more powerful than your past and he's more powerful than your sin. And the spirit that lives in you can transform you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The devil is not more powerful than God. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 9 as we come to a close that you however are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the spirit. If the spirit of Christ lives in you. Now I was talking to some friends of mine. They were telling me about a trip they took to Arizona. They went from New Jersey to Arizona. And as they got closer and closer to, to, to Arizona, it got hotter and hotter. And they said, you know, we took that whole trip all the way there and back with no air conditioning. I said, dude, man, how'd you do? Why'd you do that? He said, the car didn't have air conditioning. At least I thought it didn't. I found out later that there was a button I was supposed to push in the whole time that was that the car did have air conditioner. And we made the whole trip with air conditioner in the car and never used it because we didn't tap into it. That's the way some of us are. The power is there. And we're making the whole trip without tapping into that power. Why you want to make that trip so hot and so miserable when you've got power to say no? You've got power to live above it. You're a new creation. Act like it. You have the Spirit of God living in you. Take hold of it. You have God on your side. Follow him. And my last scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you. Help me out, church. Except what is common. And God is what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will do what? He will also provide a way out so that what? You can stand up under it. Help us out. Every time there's a temptation, there's a what? A way out. Every time the devil comes after you, there's what? On your job, there's what? At school, there's what? When you meet with your family this Christmas and everybody's driving you crazy, there's what? When your wife is driving you insane, there's what? When your husband has lost his mind, there's what? There's a way out. Take the way out. We can overcome sin to God be the glory.